friend, you know, I just, um, I just want to get this out of the way from the rip, just so you, you don't get it twisted at all. That all of this, every bit of it, is about Jesus. That's what we're here for. Jesus. The best life that you could ever live is the one with him. I promise you. I promise you. In this moments like this, we just get lost in worship where we can see and believe, man, God still is active in our world. He wants to heal our hearts. He knows us. He loves us. And even in the relationship talk, the real relationship that's the most important is the one with him. And if we move past that, I feel like we've missed the whole purpose of breathing anyway. The whole purpose. So with that said, uh, I'm excited to be here. Um, I had a plan of how I was going to, you know, intro and everything, but I just got thrown out the window, I guess. But, you know, hey, it happens. It was good. Y'all glad to be here? Excited? Yeah? Come on, come on. Mosaic off campus, second one of the year. I'm excited. Some of you, first time here, like, I don't even know what to expect. People raising their hands and doing all kind of, you know what? Welcome. Okay, welcome. I just want you to know that I'm, I'm one of those preachers that I like you to interact with me a little bit. So if I, if I get like kind of in your face and you feel like I'm looking at you, I probably am. Um, but the more you talk back to me, the more I'm going to look at you. So just so you know, if you want to be quiet, then I'm going to come really over there and I'm going to say, hey, how come you're not talking to me over here? They're not talking right now. See, this is how it's working. So we're excited, man. Uh, man, I, I, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but we are in month two. Yeah, we already know that. Of uh, this series that if you haven't been here before, we are in a series. It's titled Your Next Five Years. Your Next Five Years. And you're like, oh, okay. What you going to tell me about my next five years? Is this like, you about to tell me some like secret knowledge that I don't know about? Like what's coming? Like none of that. Really what this series is about is really just acknowledging that some of the biggest decisions of your life, whether you are a freshman in college or you're a senior, or you're not even in college, the next five years are probably going to be the biggest moments of your life. The biggest decisions you're ever going to make. You're going to graduate, probably, hopefully, praise, pre, play, please, uh, please, 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 I already graduated, but you know, words are hard at times. You're going to graduate. You're going to go find a job. You're going to find a city, unless you want to stay in NAC, my gosh. Ble extra blessing on your life because whoo, you need it, baby. That's a joke for me because I'm from here. Anyway, um, that or you're going to find somebody. You're going to find somebody to date, someone to get married to. You might even have kids, maybe not in the next five years, but you're going to get more, you know, I said that last time, maybe a couple of y'all feel awkward, but it really could, numbers are percentage wise, it could happen. So be careful. Um, <laughs> but your next five years, it's important because we're going to talk about some things that that you need to know, that you need to, to start thinking about and really just to help kind of navigate this really crazy time. Like, what am I supposed to do with my life? What's my purpose? Who am I supposed to spend it with? What am I supposed to do with my money? What am I, like, do I get to keep all of it? Do I, do, what, like, all of that, you have all these questions. And so what I wanna do is I just really wanna jump in to this book and hopefully from this book, we can get some wisdom on how to spend our next five years. Sound good? Specifically tonight, I'm excited to talk about relationships. Yeah. Some of y'all are excited. Some of you are not. I understand. Okay. As you know, single awareness week is, is this week. Uh, yeah, come on. AKA Valentine's day. So those of y'all who are boot up, boot up, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, man, but, but Valentine's day is, is a real deal. It's coming up. And I know, I know, I already, I already know the internal dialogue that's going on with the single people. Oh, here we go again. By myself, 
again. I'm going to go buy some chocolate for myself. I'm going to put some sweats on. I'm going to watch a Matthew McConaughey movie, like How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days or something. And then we're just going to like move on. Is that just me? Is that, it's just me. It's just me. It's just me. Okay. Don't let me project my Valentine's Day tradition onto you. It might not be true. Uh, yeah, I'm coming for everybody tonight. Nobody's safe. Unless you're married. If you're, if you're married, you're, you might be a little safe, but even then, probably not. <laughs> I'm really going to wild out tonight. Relationships are the one time I can just be ridiculous. So if I hurt your feelings, please know I'm trying to. Okay, um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, but I'm pumped. I'm excited because uh, tonight, specifically about relationships, I'm getting to talk about something that normally uh, just doesn't get preached about, especially from somebody in the same season that is, that is talking about that thing. Normally it's married people kind of talking like, okay, well, here's some like how to get out the friend zone or like how to, how to get married or like how to like date. And I'm not going to do none of that not at all. Nothing. I'm talking about one thing and one thing only singleness. Yes. Some of y'all think that's a cuss word and it's the gift that, that don't feel like a gift at all. But no, I'm excited about this, this specific topic because I believe that this topic, singleness in particular, could be the most important topic that you ever conceptually can understand in any type of dating relationship or marriage in the future. Like it, this is a prerequisite. This is uh, relationship 101, so to speak. If you don't have this, you got nothing. If you don't have a foundation on a house, guess what? House not going to stand. So guess what? Singleness is important. It's important. And so because of that, I want to speak into it, but here's the good news. I'm talking about it because I'm in it. Okay. That's very different than a married person telling you, Hey, have fun in singleness. Like, no, like I'm here too. Okay. So if I'm in your business, I'm in my business. All right. So because of that, don't leave mad. Okay. This is not a breakup with your boyfriend or girlfriend, uh, sermon. Okay. I'm just letting you know it's not, if you need to, that's your business. I'm not telling you to do none of that because I don't want somebody mad hitting my Instagram. Like, Hey bro, I heard you, you told my girl to dump me or something. And I'm going to be like, she dumped you because you're silly, okay? <laughs> Had nothing to do with me. Now, we're talking about this, this thing, this gift uh, of singleness. I know some of you, you've prayed against this gift for most of your life. Dear Jesus, please take it back. I don't want it, okay? Y'all been praying for God. God, could you really just give me a man? God, Lord, I know my wife's been on layaway for a long time, but I'm ready. I know I'm ready. Why am I ready? Because I, because I feel like I'm ready. Okay. I'm trying to see myself alone. Okay. I got nobody's hand to hold. It's real sad. All my friends getting married. They're having babies and I'm by myself. Okay. Just me. Okay. But all that said, all that said in all seriousness, sorry, I, I gotta, I gotta make fun of my season. It's a gift. Singleness is a gift. And I believe that if we receive it as a gift, we'll see a big change in what our relationships look like. Because I believe that most relational problems, even most married problems, are not even relational or married problems. They're really single problems. Because if we don't do the things that we need to do while we're in singleness, it's going to follow us into our relationships. Some of y'all in here are like, it's too late. My girl right here beside me. We holding hands. She cute. I really worked hard on this, okay? Don't ruin this for me, Blake. Guess what? I'm talking about you too. Y'all think just because you were dating somebody that you're not single? Sorry, that's not how this works. First Corinthians 7 is pretty clear. You're not married, you're single. Sorry. Sorry to bust your bubble. Pastor moment, pastor moment. The problem is, for some of you, you're acting married while you're dating. You're single. You're single. Look, don't let me get into my sermon too deep, but I just need to let you know 
until you have tethered your life in covenant to somebody, you are not, you are single. You are single. So, so the reason why a lot of y'all's relationships have blown up, you've been acting married when really should have been acting single because commitment is different than covenant. Some of y'all need to write that down. Commitment is different than covenant. You can be in a committed relationship. Don't get it twisted. That's not covenant. They do not get half of what you own. If you do, that's a bad trade-off. I'm not paying for anybody I'm not married to. I'm sorry. It's not happening. Not only that, but, but it's, more, it's more than just, hey, we like each other. We're in a thing. Like your time, all those things. You have to think as a single person that is in a committed relationship, not as a married person. You're not married. You're not yet. Let me free you from that. That's a freeing idea. And we're going to get into a little bit of that time. But I mean to say all of that to say this season that you're in, whether you're dating or you're single, single, like single as a Pringle, you need to be serious about your season of singleness. Because here's the deal. It is actually a season. For most of you, it's, it will be a season. And then what seasons do? They change. It's not going to last forever. You've been praying, God, send me somebody. Don't worry. They, odds, are, odds are in your favor. There's a lot of people on the planet. It, depending how desperate you are, it, it might be easier for you. I'm just saying. Just, the, the, you have a choice in this. You have a choice. There isn't as, God is not going to make you be single, okay? He's also not going to make you get married. Just like God don't make you go to the bathroom or make you go uh, wash your hands after coming out the bathroom. If you don't, you're nasty, okay? That's a choice. It's a choice. And so because it's a choice, we need wisdom, right? We need wisdom. And specifically, I think that a lot of times we come to this book and we say, God, what does God have to say about dating? Guess what? He doesn't. He doesn't. He has wisdom for us to live by as single people who are pursuing marriage at some point. That's all in here. He addresses the, the, the individual more than he does the couple. Why? Because here's the deal. No matter where you go, no matter who you're in relationship with, no, no matter who it is, guess who's there? You are. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, there you are. All your mess, all your baggage, all your bad habits, your dirty room, all of that, that goes with you, okay? So let's, let's get to work before we covenant with somebody, okay? Okay, all right, let's get into the sermon now. That was just my intro, okay? Okay. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Singleness is a gift, but it's not just a gift. It's a season. It's just a season. Remember that. If you have a Bible, we're going to be working out of a few different places. I can see the little blue tags in here. We're going to be all over the place, really. It's going to be crazy. I might lose track. That's okay. You know what? We're going to have fun tonight. How about that? Does that sound good? Okay. All right. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. You have no idea where Ecclesiastes is. My mouse is dry. Hold on. Ecclesiastes. If you open up the middle of your Bible, Psalms is right there. It's after Psalms. Keep going. Right after Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. I think that's right. I could be wrong. Thank you for double checking. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, starting in verse 1. If you're there, say, I'm there. I'm there. If you're not there, say, hold up. Okay, just some context on Ecclesiastes. Like, why are we reading this? Okay, just, just about who this author is. The person who wrote Ecclesiastes is this man by the name of Solomon. Some would say he's the wisest man that ever lived. He's David's son. King David, you know David and Goliath? Do you all know the story? Some of you? Okay, great. It's great to know your Bible so you know who's writing what they're writing instead of just reading it and being like, I don't know who wrote this, but it's like, 
it says I should do something. Like, know, know your Bible, you know what I mean? We can, we, can be, we can do that. That's super doable, yeah? Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Y'all there? Yep, okay, great. Verse 1 says, For everything there is a season, and a time for every, every matter under heaven, a time to be born, and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to social distance. I mean, excuse me, refrain from embracing. <laughs> a time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its season. He has made everything beautiful in its season. I want to work from the title tonight, I'm in my season. I'm in my season. Now, I'm not in a season. I'm not in this season. I'm in my season. I need you to touch your neighbor right now and say, I'm in my season. Like you're excited about being there. I'm in my season. I don't know if you know this, but I'm in my season. Y'all need to claim that I'm in my season. Because I believe that the, how, we, how we grab onto this season will determine our next season. The more excited we are about the season that we're in, the easier it will be to step into the season that's coming. Yeah? Come on. So tonight, as you know, I've already kind of pre-introed pre, uh, this. I want to preach a little bit differently. You know, normally I'm like, I'm out of one text and I've kind of had a couple ideas. I'm going to be all over the place tonight. And the reason is because uh, in this Bible, there's a lot of things that are black and white. They're very clear. They're very cut and dry. Do this, don't do this. Dating is not one of those things. It is very gray area. There are some black and white things about it. Hear me. There are some very black and white things about it. But in a lot of this, it shades of gray. And so because of that, we need wisdom. We need to enter into this thing and say, okay, God, how do you want to speak to me through your word in these specific things that we're talking about? And so just know that's where I'm coming from tonight. I want to be extremely practical. I want to get like right in the middle of like dating, business, singleness. Like I'm talking about real life stuff, not just an idea. I'm talking about real stuff. Okay. So if I'm coming at you, just be ready. Get your nose ready. It's going to happen, right? You know, I think this, uh, this relational thing, I think we need to kind of think about what it is we're stepping into. I think a lot of times we, uh, we just take life kind of as it comes, you know, um, and we don't really give a lot of thought or uh, really give priority to some things. We just kind of take it, take it as it's going. Oh, that person's cute. I like them. Let's date, right? We just jump into relationships so quickly and we just kind of like haphazardly just like, oh, well, I like them. So yes. And we don't think about the repercussions and, and what that means of our actions a lot of the times. A man once told me this one time. He said, he said, Blake, the person that you tether your life to, that you marry, will either be your greatest asset or your greatest liability. That the person that you decide to spend forever with will either multiply you as a person or it will divide you. That your calling, your future is dependent on the person that you take with you. And vice versa, you for them. 
And so because of that, I think we need to take some time and we need to think about the season that we're in and not just jump around in it. Because I think if we just jump around in our season, we don't really get to do the thing that the season is trying to create in us. Because it says in there that there's a time for everything. And I think if we don't use the season and the time for what it's made for, we'll pay, it'll, pay, it'll cost us in the season that's to come. So let's, let's have our feet planted in our season and say, hey, this is my season. I may or may not like that I'm in this season, but it's where I'm at. And because that's where I'm at, that's where God has me, I'm going to show up every day excited about where I am and not just wait for some other season that's to come. Hear me? Let's get into this text. I, I, I just want to show some Bible for this just because I don't want y'all to just take my word on it, okay? If you have uh, your Bible, you're just in Ecclesiastes, turn back to Proverbs. We're going to be in like three or four different Proverbs tonight. Proverbs chapter 20, starting in verse 4. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 4. We're going to be in a couple of different places. Let me give you a couple of them so I don't have to do this every time. We're going to be Proverbs 20, verse 4. Proverbs 25, verse 28. And then we're going to be in Proverbs 4, verse 23. Okay? 20, verse 4. 25, verse 28. 4, 23. If you didn't get it, just see it on the back. It's cool. We'll work it out. I normally don't preach off this many texts, so it's kind of confusing me. But hey, we're going to work it out. 20 verse 4, it says that the sluggard does not plow in, in the autumn, and he will seek a harvest and have nothing. If we are going to be people who own our season and be people who step into this season of singleness and be ready to say, hey, God, I'm ready for the relationships that might come. Let me maximize this season. If we're going to be people who maximize our singleness, there's a couple things that we can do. The first one, my first point tonight is we need to work the ground. You got ground to work. You got ground to work. Verse four, it says that the sluggard, do y'all know what a sluggard is? A sluggard is like a lazy person. It's a person that doesn't move, is inactive, who waits, is pacified and just like, oh, was good enough, whatever. Yeah. That person does not plow in autumn or in the fall but he will seek at harvest time and have nothing. So what the wisdom of that proverb is saying is if you don't maximize the season that you're in, you're going to pay for it in the next one. Hear me? I think that if we are going to be people who maximize our season of singleness, we can't be like this person. See, I think it's interesting that they, he's described as, as a sluggard, but the other thing that's connected to it is the season in which he's a sluggard. He says, he does not plow in the fall. Notice this. As a farmer, there's seasons for things, you know? Like, there is. You plow, you plant, you harvest. You get it? Yeah. Well, because of how some of that stuff works, you plow and you plant and you harvest at different times right? Notice something about fall. Fall's in, kind of in the wintertime. It's, it's right when the seasons start to change. It's kind of, uh, it's getting colder outside, right? It says that this person doesn't plow in autumn. He's a sluggard. What my, so, you know, remember we do the observation, interpretation, application thing. That's how you read the Bible. You look at it and you're like, oh, how does that, well, okay, why is that there? I think it, it should be noted that this person doesn't do the thing that they're supposed to do because they are not in the optimal season that they wish that they would be in. He seeks, it, it, it didn't say that he doesn't care. If he just didn't care, he wouldn't seek in harvest time. 
He seeks in harvest time. So what that's saying is he's looking forward to the harvest, but he's not willing to put in the work in the fall. He's slow to work in the fall. Why? Because it's not optimal. It's not his intended, my, my favorite time. Some of you in your season of singleness, because it's not optimal for you, you're not dating somebody, you're not doing the thing that you thought you would be doing, you treat it like the sluggard. You complain, I just, God, when are you gonna send me my person? I don't know why you're not like on the same page with me here. Like, I'ma just sit and watch friends for the hundredth time until you like send them. Do you know what I'm saying? Some of you, yeah, others, no, maybe not. But we are in this season and we don't do the thing that we should be doing in the season. And we, this thing says, once it comes, it's too late. Nothing's going to be there. The reason that we need to work the ground is because the ground that we work right now will determine the season that we'll be in later. If you desire a relationship for your life in the future, you have ground to work right now. You got ground to work right now. There's, there, there's a lot of this with, uh, I know you guys know of Proverbs 31 woman. Yeah, some of y'all? Kind of, sort of, yeah, it's in my bio, you know? <laughs> Have you ever read the text of Proverbs 31 woman? Ever read it? The woman is, it says that, you know what, let me just read it. Let me just read it to y'all. I just want y'all to take this in, because it's important. I think, I think you need to hear it. Proverbs 31, starting with her, an excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and she will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rouses while it's still yet night and provides food for her household. Pause. She gets up before the sun comes up. How many of y'all do that? Don't worry, I'll wait. Only a couple of you. Guess what? You're not a Proverbs 31 woman then. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Uh, she makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Y'all make y'all's own clothes? Don't worry, I'll wait. Nope. She, deliver, she delivers things to the merchant. This woman got a whole business. How many of y'all got y'all's own business? Okay, three of you, okay? Don't worry, I'll wait. This woman, we always say, you know, I want, I want me a Proverbs 31 woman. Guys in the room, girls, I want to be that. Guess what? You got to put work in to be that. You got to put work in. She didn't wait for a husband to start doing that. Do y'all realize like skills take time? Skills take time. We, we're in this space where we're like, okay, God send me my husband. And you're just like this, just waiting, just like, oh, I just want him to come. Like, I'm excited. Like, but then once he shows up, you're just there and now you're mad because you ain't got nothing to do. You're just like, well, I got my purpose now. I got married or I got my, my relationship, but I got nothing to do now. Because you've made the relationship the purpose rather than you making purpose in this season. And so then when you step into the relationship, you actually have something to live for and do. Yeah. I think the biggest problem with the relationships today is we look to someone else to tell us what to do. G guys in the room, guys in the room. If a girl that you are dating has no goals for herself outside of just being your wife, you need to press her into, hey, hey, I need you to start thinking about what you want to do with your life. Because guess what? I am not your purpose. You being a mother is not your purpose. It's not. It's just not. Yeah. Girls, if you are dating a guy who has zero goals for himself, it just plays video games all day. Guess what you will be? His mother. That's who you will be. 
You'll be his mom. You'll clean up after him. You'll do all, think I'm playing. You'll clean up after his stuff all the time. That's all, that's all you're going to do. Guys, I think, I think we, we, we do ourselves a disservice if we just look towards another season and just hope and wish and pray that that season is going to come. And then once it comes and we get it, we feel zero of, of the fulfillment that we thought we were going to get. We are in this season for a purpose. I believe your singleness can be the most optimal season of your life. I think some of you have, have an idol in your heart of what marriage is going to bring. That is going to fulfill you. That's going to give you purpose. It's going to be everything that you dreamed of. And it's really not your fault. You're kind of raised up in that place where you just, you look to that. You get told, this is what, I want to be a mother. I want to do all this stuff. I don't want to discredit that. That's important. She's that. But guess what? That's not only what she is. You have so much more value on your life than being someone's wife and being someone's mom. So much more value. You're doing the world a disservice by not working your season. Because here's the thing that your season will provide for you that you should think about before you just decide to pick somebody. Because the only thing that you're going to pick, pick from over here, if you haven't worked this over here, is what they look like. That's it. Why? Because you have no thing that's an anchor or a tether to your life. You don't have some things that are clear yeses and clear noes. You don't have things that are saying, this is what my life's going to be about. This is who I'm going to be in the world. This is what I care about, the causes that I want to be a part of. This is what I want to adopt kids. I want to, I want to go to another country. I want to serve missions. I want to do, you have all this purpose that could be birthed in you in your singleness that you neglect. And because of that, you get into relationships with people that have nothing to do with the mission that God's placed on your life. And then you get married and guess what? When you're married, you're stuck. You're stuck. You can't get out of that. Our missions don't match. Don't matter. You're married, period. Work it out. I'm dead serious. If you're in a relationship right now and you're not ready for that, you need to come back to the drawing board and say, hey, we might need to take a little time. We don't need to break up, but we need to have some conversations about who we're going to be and what we're going to do because if our missions don't match, then we don't need to be together because it's that important because purpose is more important than being with somebody. Some of the biggest, most influential people to ever walk this earth were not married. They were not married. They were single people. Some of you in here are so scared to death of that right now. Literally, you just like want to leave. Like, oh my God, if I have to be single one more day, I just don't want to keep breathing. <laughs> like, that's where you're at. Like, and if, if we're being honest, like uh, in the non-funny parts of it, like to think that if God would say, hey, I'm actually calling you to be single for the rest of your life. You have such an aversion of that in your heart. You need to come into account and say, why do I feel that way? And if, if we were to be honest, we've probably put marriage on a pedestal that it's never actually going to live up to. And the saddest thing is the day you'll get married, you'll think that it's supposed to be this and it's not that. And then you will be miserable in your marriage. I'm not putting that on you. I'm just saying, if you put those things on the pedestal that way, that were never supposed to be that way, marriage is not supposed to be an arrival place. It's supposed to be someone that's going to walk beside you and push you in your purpose. The reason that God gave Adam Eve was to be a co-laborer was to be a partner in the work that he had for him in the earth. Before Eve ever came, before a wife ever came for Adam, he had purpose. So while you're in your season, find out what you're good at. Read a book. My God, stop watching The Office. Like, I'm serious. I'm so serious. Like, read a book. And if you don't like read, reading, audiobook. Go, go, like, watch a documentary. Like, like, pick somebody that you like in history. See what they did with their life. Like, go intern somewhere. Like, see what you're good at. Because if you've been gifted by God to do it, he's asking you to do it. Yeah. He would not ask you to be, I'm never going to sing up here. <laughs> I would love to sing like John, my God. 
I would, I would be like Chris Brown, like, yo, you know what I mean? I would <laughs> tell me, fellas, have you seen, uh, it was about five minutes until, you know, <laughs> I promise I would, but guess what? That's not my ministry. It's just not, this is not my ministry. That's not my purpose. But you know how I know I tried singing before Jamal even told me the other day, bro, don't sing anymore ever. <laughs> don't do it. Now, but if you know that you're bad at it, I promise you, it might not be because you haven't tried hard enough. It might just be that's not what God's got for you. Your DNA is pretty set up. Like, you just built the way you built. Like, this is all it is. Like, you can work out all you want. Like, you're not going to be Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Like, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be a basketball player. Like, I'm just not. I might have some handles or something, you know, but I'm just not going to, I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to be that. And I, I say that to be in jest, but the reality is, is, if you're not good at it, if you not have talent there, maybe God's not called you there. And I'm not saying that if things are difficult, that he's not called you there. I don't think it takes talent to be some of the things. I think it takes passion. And if you're not passionate about anything, it's like, you're like, I don't even know what I'm passionate about. Take yourself on a date. I'm so serious. Go sit at a restaurant, throw your phone away, turn it off, put it in your pocket. Sit there with a piece of paper and ask yourself, what do I want to do with my life? Where do I want to go? Where do I want to travel? What kind of person do I want to be? How do I want to make other people feel? What am I good at? What do other people say that I'm good at? It might be easier for you to write down what you're bad at and then go from there, you know? But if you, if you work the ground in your season, you'll create value and purpose where you are. So now you aren't looking for value somewhere else. You've already got it where you are. We think purpose is out there, but purpose is present. Calling is present. The place you are is the place you're supposed to be. You are in your season. You're not waiting for some season that's going to come. Guess what? You're going to get there one day, and guess what? It's not going to be everything you thought it'd be. You'll be like, dang, I'm ready to have kids now. Oh, I'm ready to be retired now. Well, I'm ready. Like you'll do your whole life just running past your life. Don't do that. That's silly. That's silly. Life's hard enough as it is. God made great moments for you to walk in. Yes, purpose comes with hardship. Purpose comes with hard work. Guess what? Here's the crazy thing about this. The reason why you plow and fall is because you plow the deepest in fall. It takes the most work to plow and fall. Why? Because it takes so much time for that deep plow to get that seed bed pressed down so that seeds can be sown into it that are going to be fruitful. Why do I say that? Work hard now so that that next season of your life will be fruitful. Whether or not someone else comes, work your season, get your degree, get a job, quit that job, get another job you like. My gosh, travel the world, go meet people, stop dating everybody and start having friends, you know? And I'm not, I'm not I don't want to shame you if you're in a relationship, like that's cool, like that's, so, that's super cool. You found somebody that you like, that you, like, I don't want to discredit that at all, don't hear me say that, but for you single people in here, the ones that are single, single like me and some of you, Work your season where you are. It's okay that nobody's with you. If somebody was with you, that means you got to go with them. You know how hard it is to go with somebody right beside you? Especially if they don't want to go where you're going. If you find somebody that's willing to go where you're going and that has the same purpose as you and wants to communicate, hey, I don't know if I'm there yet, but I want to try. If you're dating somebody like that, keep them. If they're not pressing you in areas they shouldn't be pressing you, keep them. If you don't have it all worked out, that's fine. I'm not telling you to break up with it. I don't care about that. I just want you to use your season 
Because this season, how you work in this season is the, will, will be where the fruit is in the next one. There will be no fruit here if there's no work here. No fruit if there's no work. So if you're single, hear me. Stop trying to wish your way out of your singleness. Start asking God, God, why do you have me here? What do you want to do with me while I'm here? I know that I want relationships. I want to be in marriage. I want those things. Some of you might be dating and you're still like, hey, I want this, but it's taking some time. You're working some stuff out. You've got to graduate and it's weird to like have like, you know, money issues when you're, I, I get it. You got loans and stuff, like, you know? Don't, don't wish away that season. Work that season. Work the ground. Work the ground. My second point, sorry I was in that for a minute, but I had to let y'all have it. Because it's important. It's important. You know, single people don't hear that all the time. It's okay to be where you are. There's nothing wrong with you. That's another thing. Some of you in here think you're single because there's something wrong with you, and that needs to get broke off right now. That needs to broke off right now. Some people are married and more dysfunctional than you will ever be. Hear me. Relationship does not mean that you got it together. You hear people say, oh, I'm ready for a relationship and that's why you are in one. That's false. You just had somebody desperate enough to get with you as you were with them. Can we be real? Some of you have standards that are too high for that. Not, and I'm not shaming the, the dating people, hear me. I'm just saying, don't shame yourself. You're where you're supposed to be. You're in your season, it's okay. You can look in the mirror and say, it's not because I'm not pretty. Some of you are beautiful. Most of you are, I mean, y'all all are. <laughs> Everything is beautiful in this season. And I, you know, hey, hold on. <laughs> I can't recover, I'm out, I'm out. I'm... Man. I'm so done. I'm, I can't recover from that. I just can't. I can't. I'm just trying to be encouraging and not, you know, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying. Some of y'all's personality is the best on the planet, okay? You making the world better, I promise. Just to, just to speak to that, substance is more important than beauty. That's exactly what this verse is saying. It says, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Character. Character's got to be built, okay? You can be pretty all you want to be a trophy and sit on the shelf, but you ain't got any character, you're useless. I don't care if you're pretty. I'm sorry. I just, what do you bring into the world? What are you doing the thing God made you to do? What are you doing? Who are you? Not what you look like. You're more than what you look like. Okay? Y'all don't be mad at me. Uh, <laughs> point number two. Point number two. Not only do you, if in your season of singleness, not only do you need to work the ground, but second, you need to build some walls. You need to build some walls. Some of y'all are like, wait a second. I thought like walls were bad in relationships. Like they say on The Bachelor all the time, like I got a wall up and like, I just like, you know, y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You need to build some walls. And if there's something in you that's like, oh, no, but I want them to like know all of me and like get me like all my weird things. I don't know. I don't know what y'all do. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? You're just like, I just want them to know everything about me. Guess what? 
That's stupid. That is not wisdom. Please do not do that. That is silly. That's silly. You want to know why? People will emotionally manipulate you if they know everything about you. There's a thing called boundaries, and it's for both of you. It's important. It's important. It's wisdom. You need to build some walls. Why do you build walls? First question. You build walls because walls protect things that are valuable. If you're a person of value, it makes zero sense for you to live a life without any walls. It makes zero sense for you to live a life without boundaries. The Bible says, in my second text, Proverbs 25, verse 28, it says, a man without self-control or a man without boundaries is like a city broken into and left without walls. Guess what? A city without walls is not a safe place to be. It's not safe. Some of y'all, the word that you need to get in your heart about what a relationship should be, it should be safe. It should impress you past places that you're not comfortable. It shouldn't make you feel like you are like, Uh, in this place. No, you should feel safe. That's what a good relationship is because there's boundaries set. There are some, there's some conversations. We're talking boundaries. I'm talking physical, obviously emotional. Yes. Communication. Let me get into it. Time. Okay. You should have boundaries around all of this stuff. Why? Because some stuff they don't need to have. Why? Because you're not married. You're dating. You're not. They don't need to know where you are all the time. That's creepy. That's stalkerish. Know what that really is? It's insecurity in the other person they're projecting onto you. Let's just be real. Let's just be real. Hey, and that's okay if, if, if you've done that. That's okay. We need to move past that. That'll be my next point that I'm getting to number three. But we're not at number three yet. We're number two. Okay, we're number two. Boundaries are needed. They're necessary. They protect what's valuable. Communication, one. Just, I just want to give you all a couple of just free points, Okay. And granted, this is wisdom, and you can disagree with me. That's super cool, super cool. I, I'm not offended, not offended. I don't think God's word don't say nothing about Snapchat or text messages or DMs. Doesn't say nothing. I've looked everywhere. I've read it twice. I don't. I don't think it's there. But I do believe that there are some things that that opens up that this thing does talk about. And I think there's spaces in us that if we don't guard and keep safe, we will freely give to people that are not worthy of that being given to. And it's not because they're not good people or you don't like them or whatever. It's just they haven't been, they haven't been vetted. They're not trustworthy. They haven't proven themselves to a place that they deserve that. They're not your husband. They're not your wife, right? I think we get into places in relationship where we get really, really, really hurt because we've given away things that were never theirs. Those were our things. Those are intimate things. And it's not not loving to withhold intimate things. There's some things that my wife will be the only one who gets to know. And I, oh my gosh, I want to hold on to that so deeply. Some words that you should probably just refrain from saying, just so, I mean, I know some of you already said it, and I, I mean, granted, we're all different on the spectrum on this, but don't use I love you flippantly. Don't do it. Don't do it. Especially guys to girls, that's manipulating. You're, that's manipulative. Don't do that. Unless you mean it. Unless you mean it. When you really mean it. I'm so serious. If I, oh my God, I would, I will fight a guy right here on the stage. WWE Smackdown, a guy for that. But no, there's just, there's just things about communication that should and shouldn't be on the table. There's some things that you probably shouldn't talk about until you're engaged. Let's be honest. There's some things, there's some doors to things in you that you should only open to that people that have walked along the way with you and have proven themselves that they can handle it, that they're deserving. Yeah. 
And I'm not talking about withholding stuff. I'm not talking about you just being like, you know, a wall for, for the sake of being a wall. You know what I mean? Like, you know, some of you, when you go to bed at night, you lock the door, right? Yeah, you lock the door. I lock the door. <laughs> I don't want nobody rocking up on me when I'm sleeping. <laughs> but why do I do that? It's because I don't trust people. <laughs> I trust the people that live at the house, okay? If they live in the house, they can come in the house. Why? Because they got a key. If they don't have a key, stop opening the door for them. Silly. They're going to steal your TV. Or your bed frame or something. I know some of y'all have been looking for one for a while. It's on the floor still. I don't know how to help. The girls didn't get it. They are like, I've got a bed frame. <laughs> the guys in the room were like, yeah, it's been on the floor since first semester. <laughs> now, but these boundaries that are in place are there to protect what's valuable. And just like I said, work in your season. In the first point, boundaries will help you work that season, especially when you're dating. To know that you have time to, hey, we're not going to talk today. And that's okay. I like you. I like, it's okay to say, hey, I like you, but I just don't want to talk to you every day. First off, how many of you are that interesting? I'm not, okay? If you talk to me every day, you're like, dude, that dude sucks. <laughs> Especially if it's through text message. I'm going to be like, LOL. <laughs> Smiley face. Like, or being on the phone, FaceTime, you don't even say nothing. You're just sitting there just looking at each other or falling asleep. That's silly. Stop doing that. I don't know who's doing it. None of y'all might be doing it. I saw it on TikTok the other day. <laughs> Some of y'all need to create boundaries for TikTok because it's stealing from your purpose in your season. Just, just a side note. Anyway, I, I, I could go all day on this, but there needs to be boundaries that you set up in your relationships. And they need to be set up before someone steps in. There's this verse that I, I know a lot of us talk about in relationships. Uh, it's Proverbs 4, verse 23. And it's, it's, it's keep your heart with all villages or guard your heart above all things, guard your heart because from it flow the wellspring of life, guard your heart. It is so important that you guard your heart. It might be the most important thing that you could do. And the thing about a guard is guards. Y'all ever heard of a guard? Yeah. Okay. Same language. Guards only let things in that are supposed to be in, right? A good guard will see something that's not supposed to be in there from far off. That's called a red flag, okay? You see a red flag, close the gate down. Build the wall, okay? Quit giving people excuses for red flags. I'm not telling you to just judge people by it. I'm telling you have a conversation. Hey, I, see, I saw this. this. This worries me. If you've seen anger in a relationship and a guy tries to, hey, man, that ain't going to fly in this relationship. I just need to let you know. I like you, but that is not, that's a red flag. It is okay for you to communicate with somebody else. You should communicate when you see red flags because my God, I hope someone tells me when they see one in me. Let's guard our hearts and let's see things before they come. Let's not be people that are reactive. Let's be proactive. Let's build the walls. Let's put disciplines in our life that keep the main thing in our season, our season. Let's make the most of the time, make the most of the time, but you need boundaries to do that. I've kicked the horse long enough on that one. Point number three. Not only do you need to build walls, not only do you need to work the ground, but we need to catch foxes. We need to catch some foxes. Specifically, where that comes from is from this, this, uh, this Song of Solomon, is what it's called, or Song of Songs. This man Solomon, the one that's getting all these wisdom, these proverbs from, he wrote this song. And essentially, this song is about relationships. It's about this courtship between him and this woman. 
And it's, it, a lot of it is a lot of imagery and I can't tell what sex or not. It's weird. But anyway, this is not, okay? I'd say that to be funny, but read it and you'll be like, oh, I get it. I get it, okay? Second, Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 13. This is, uh, this is the, the woman speaking uh, to, to Solomon. It says, catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. So what is being communicated in this is not go catch some animals. The thing that's being communicated is this love that's in blossom, this relationship that's in bloom, that's developing. There are some things that could come in and sabotage that relationship before it starts. And that are these little things called foxes. And really they're just issues. They're issues we got to work through as people, individuals, before we even get into a relationship. But sometimes we're in relationship and they're there. And so I don't want to just talk from one side. I want to talk in both areas. For those of you that it's not there yet, you're not dating somebody, deal with them before. It makes it a lot easier. Those who are in a relationship with somebody, you've got to have a whole lot more patience, a whole lot more grace for that person, and have a whole lot more communication with them through that whole thing because it's deep. It's real deep. And that's why singleness is so important because you get to work those things out before you're covenanted to someone else. And you bring that into a marriage, and you see it come out 10 years later, and you're like, where did that come from? Singleness. That thing I didn't deal with way back there. Deal with it now before it's over here. There's three things, three words uh, that I would just even say just are good, uh, just boxes to put these things in that I'm talking about. And there's three T's. The first is temptations. The second is triggers. And the third is traumas. Temptations, triggers, and traumas. These three things most of the time are interconnected, whether you know it or not. Most of the time it's connected to one singular thing, but it just sprouts itself in different issues. And the thing is, each and every one of us have them. We live in a broken, fallen world, and we are imperfect people, raised by imperfect people, dated imperfect people. And a lot of those things mark us. And because of that, we do things that we don't want to do. We run to things we shouldn't run to. We have things that come up out of nowhere, and we have stuff that's hidden that we have never dealt with. That is reality. We have temptations, triggers, and traumas. First one, temptations. There are some things in your life that seem cute. Y'all seen the little fox video with the fox on the bed, like laughing? Yeah. Oh, cute, cute little fox. Foxes aren't cute, bro. It's not cute. These foxes, they're not cute at all. These things might seem real small. And we're not even talking about the obvious, obvious temptations. We're not just talking about, you know, Obviously, you stepping out of a relationship and you doing whatever. We're talking about little ones. Some of them come off as the need for attention from other people. When you're married, you can't run to other people for attention. That's emotional cheating. That's, a, that's, a, that's an emotional affair is what that is. It's cool in this season. Oh, I'm just like entertaining options or like in some situationships because I'm not real like clear with my like, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Where you like kind of like DM and you like DMing six people the same thing or Snapchat and like, oh, hey, what you doing? You up? Like, nah, stop that. that that's attention. You don't actually like that person. You just want attention. Be man enough or woman enough to see I'm just doing that for attention. Recognize that that is a temptation that you can carry into marriage whether or not you know it. Because here's the deal. You get married, you don't just change. Everything that you are over here, you bring over here. Every bit of it, good, bad, ugly, you bring it in. There's not a magical thing that happens when I do, when you say I do. You are you. 
Every bit of it. That's why we preached on change the first day that we did this. This temptation, these things that we run to, they could be real small. They could be how we spend our money. We could buy things that we don't really need. We spend out of budget, we overspend, and we do that to kind of, you know, what's the, what do they call it? Retail therapy? Yeah. Guess what? Your husband going to be broke. Y'all going to be worried about how we going to pay for the kids. That they, they, the school wants money. You can't pay because you got to, that affects the marriage. See how that's a singleness issue that you bring in over here? Deal with the temptations. I don't know what they are for you, but there's things that you run to that you should say, I run to this and I notice it. I see it in my life. I'm going to deal with it right now. That stuff has to die right here. I'm not taking it any further with me in my life. It's not a game. Stuff is not cute. Kill it now. Kill it. Pornography is the most destructive thing that you could do in a relationship. It's cool. You think it's cool when you're dating? Oh, they don't know. When you're single, oh, they don't know. But when you get married and you got to look your wife in the eyes and say, hey, I messed up. I have friends that are married that tell me to this day, Blake, kill it. I don't know if you still deal with it, bro, but you need to kill that thing because it will destroy your marriage. Friends that are married telling me this, hey, bro, get rid of that thing that, 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 that you do where you look around and you just kind of eyeball and see all the different options that are in the room. Like you're looking at, kill it because they see it because they're with you all the time. They see your habits. They see the things that you do. Kill it. Girls, it's the same way. I, I, I'm a guy. I don't only, I don't even know what guys struggle with. Girls, you have things too. They will affect your husband so deeply. If you have a temptation to talk badly about him and gossip about him in private and you speak to him that way in public, he will literally, you will cut off the love from his heart to you. That's what happened with David and his wife. She embarrassed him publicly and he never touched her again. His wife. Not saying that what David did is cool, but I'm just saying you need to deal with this stuff. It seems small, it seems little, but it's big. It's so big. Temptations. The next is triggers. Triggers, a lot of times, they're just things that kind of happen to us and we kind of just react. Anybody been, you know, remember the, when triggered was a thing? I'm so triggered right now. I, I remember when I was doing Whole30 and I was like, I saw some ice cream. I'm like, bro, I'm so triggered right now. <laughs> if I could go to a Baskin Robbins right now, I'd have all 31 flavors right now. Like, you feel it, right? It's just out of nowhere, like this. A lot of those triggers are really insecurities that are deep down that we didn't know that we had. Where we spaz on a partner. Why'd you do that? Why'd you, where you flash on them and you're just like, whoa, where did that even come from? The reality is it's not even that that person even did something to you. Somebody else did it to them way long time ago, but they're just bleeding on you now, even though you didn't cut them. We got to deal with triggers as they come up. And here's the deal. If you're in a relationship and you see someone spaz or trigger, you see it happen, you need to talk about it. Don't just, don't just enable it to be a thing that they do. If it's a thing where they like freak out on you, didn't call them that day and they're doing that, hey, say, hey, we're okay. I need to let you know that I'm not going to communicate. That's a boundary thing, right? You communicate the boundary and say, hey, we're okay. You need to communicate safety. You need to communicate commitment. If you're in a relationship, this is important. And then you need to say, hey, when you feel that way, we need to have a conversation. Open dialogue, not just be like, you always want to know where I'm at. Like that is not healthy. Okay. Have a conversation. If you see something that's wrong, confront it. Hey, I saw this. You don't need to be mean about it. Hey, when you said this, it made me feel like this. 
And then you can kind of help them see where it's from. Because most of the time, if you've been in relationships before, that past is defining the present now. Some, so-and-so that cheated on me used to, used to do that like that, and now you're doing it, so now I think your mind will think that, right? It will go back to immediately the thing that is triggered by, and you will project things onto people that they have never done to you. Have a conversation. Be man enough and be woman enough to say, hey, that reminded me of something. I need to deal with that. Every time it comes up, don't just say that that's okay and that's just part of who you are. It's not. That is a insecurity showing up. And the only way you deal with insecurity is every time it comes up, you talk about it. Even if it gets heated, you say, and you in that, that argument or whatever it is, you say, hey, I know you're upset. I'm still here. I'm still committed to you, if you are. And I want to see this thing through. I'll be here tomorrow. We're going to talk about it later. Like, as a man, guys in the room, they deserve that from you, if that's what that's happening. Girls, same thing, I guess. I don't know. But I'm just talking to the guys in here. You are the leader, Yes. Eventually, one day you will lead a relationship. But guess what? Until you're married, you're not leading them. Lead yourself. You can, you can, hear me. If you're in a relationship, girls and guys, this is outside of my sermon, but this is just for you. Maybe the Lord's telling me. It is not his job to guard your heart. It is your job to guard your heart. It is not her job to guard your heart. It's your job. Men in this room, the way that a woman can trust you in the future is how you handle leading yourself, especially in boundaries in the present. If you are someone that's pressing boundaries on her in the present, when you go on a work trip in your future, she is not going to trust you because she couldn't even trust you with her in the middle of the dating relationship. That's why physical boundaries are important. You are building the thing that you're going to live in in the next season. So men in this room, lead yourself right now. Lead your relationship by leading yourself. That will create trust and breed trust so that one day when you do get married, if you get married, or even if you break up, they can say good things about you and not negative things about you. That you left them better than you found them. That you were a good boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever it is. That you didn't use them. That you cared for them. You cared more about their growth as a person and them growing in their season than you did about just having them as like your boo thing. I don't know. That's free, okay? The last one. Is this helpful? Is this helpful? And and honestly, I really am not trying to be like pointing the finger. Most of the stuff is at me, okay? Like I've done this wrong a lot, a lot. And I wish I could take it all back. I'm so serious. This stuff that you carry with relationships, it's not just this thing that that gets thrown away. It's in a bag with you for the rest of your life. Yes, you don't have to pick it up all the time, but the reality is it happened. That goes to my next point. Traumas. There's things from your past that have marked you as a person, good or bad. A lot of the traumas that we've had in relationship are from past relationships with other people. We didn't enter into it well. We didn't have boundaries. You opened your heart up too much. You went too far. It left you broken, right? And then guess what? You just seek that out in every relationship now. So you've created dysfunction over and over and over again because you've experienced it at the beginning. Some of you, it was a, it was a, it was a mutual dating relationship. Other, others of you, it wasn't. Others of you, there was... Uh, a relationship with a father that was disconnected or with a mother or whatever it is, and it's literally shaped the way you view relationships. 
in the way that you do it. And it's marked you in a negative way. Where you've been abused, whether that be verbally, verbally, physically, emotionally, even sexually. Like that stuff has marked you. And it doesn't, hear me, there is, there is freedom from the shame of that thing. There is restoration. There is hope past that thing. But guess what? If you never deal with that thing, it will show up again. It will show up in the future. And that goes to, I don't even want to spend too much time on that because if, you, if that's you, you know. Like I don't need to like point, poke, poke at you for that. You know that. And a lot of you feel so condemned and like so like I can barely lift my head. There's anxiety in your life. There's depression in your life because something has happened to you in the past. And I just want to tell you right now, forget the singleness sermon. God wants to heal your heart. That is the one relationship that matters. That is the one relationship that if you step into, God will heal. There's a promise. He will restore you better than you knew before. And he will use that past. He will use that thing that happened to you over here that will be beautiful in a marriage. It will be restorative in a marriage where you can talk to people walking through the same thing that you used to walk through and give them hope because God restored you. But the thing about that is, and the thing about this restorative thing and this love thing, you just got to keep showing up. You got to keep opening your heart up, especially to God. You got to lay the cards out and say, God, I've made a royal mess of this. There's some things that happened to me that are unfair, that never should have happened to me in my life. Never, ever, I never deserved that. I didn't do anything to deserve that. Some of the, some of you in here. And I want you to know that God is saying from heaven, I love you. Wounds and all, trauma and all, mistakes and all. I love you you. Not like I love you like I love everybody, but I love you by your name. I've held every moment of your life. I know every hair on your head. I know everything that you've been through and I love you. I know some of you in this room, because you've experienced trauma, you're mad at God. You're wondering, God, how would you ever let something like that happen to me? And I just want to speak for him and say, that was not God. That God loves you and has always been pursuing you your entire life. The sad thing about this is, is that a lot of times we get affected by the choices that other people make. And God in his love allows us to choose. And a lot of times we get hurt by people's choices. But here's the good news. When we get restored and we get put in that relationship with Jesus where something in us changes, that choice that we make can set things right that were once made wrong. The stuff that was broken can be healed. The stuff that once was meant for evil can be turned to good. That, 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 that story, that painful moment can be a testimony of his faithfulness. Be a testimony of God keeping you even through really hard things. I believe that we open up our hearts tonight. I know some of you have built some walls up and not the good walls, but some negative ones to God. I believe if you open up your heart tonight, God will meet you there. And that a one moment with Jesus will change Everything. Everything. And I'm not saying that because I'm a pastor. I'm saying that because I'm a person. I struggled preaching this sermon one because I've done this very terribly. I'm not even going to lie. A lot of my past is broken because I've made some bad decisions. Ones I wish I could take back. And I've got a lot of things that I still need to deal with along the way. But I remember a moment 
after the worst night of my life, worst decision. And I sat there hungover in the shower and I was just like, God, how could you ever love somebody like me? How could you ever love somebody like me? I knew you, I know you. And I still made this decision. I still walked that way. I knew I shouldn't have. And I like, I was this close to giving up. I was just like, God, I just don't even want to live anymore. Like, I don't even want to do this anymore. I was like, God, if you ever could give somebody like me a second chance, would you please do it? And months went by, months. And I was 21 years old. I went to a place kind of like this, and I heard a guy talk about this story in the Bible, Hosea and Gomer. It was about this woman who God, or this man that God called to marry this woman. And this woman, she went back into a life of prostitution. She went back into a life of probably created from brokenness, not because of her own choosing, but because she lived in a broken world and that stuff happened. And she would run back to it just because it's all she knew how to do. And God told this man, hey, I want you to go marry that woman. And then that woman, after they were married, she went back into that life. And instead of quitting and saying, I'm out, that man went and chased after her and bought her back. And it was in that moment as a 21-year-old that I heard that and I was like, I'm her. I've chosen a way different than him. I've chosen every other thing than him my whole life. But he chased me down. And that's what love does. It chases you down. It doesn't let you quit. It makes, it sees the best in you when you can't see anything good in yourself. It makes you hope that you could be better. It makes you want to get up in the morning and say, God, I want to try again. I might fall on my face, but I'm going to try again. I mean, I cried and cried and cried this week thinking like, God, like, why would you ever want to use me again? Even through all my stuff, like even now. And it just felt like God was telling me just because you said yes, just because you wanted you like me to use you. That's it. Just because your heart was open to me. And I think some of you in this room that God is just waiting for your heart to be open to him. That's it. He's not waiting for you to get it together. He's not waiting for you to change your relationships, your decisions, your temptations. Your all. He's not waiting for any of that. He's just waiting for you to open your heart to him. That's it. And so tonight, man, I don't, I don't know if, if any of that landed. But I, one thing I do hope lands, and that's that Jesus loves you so much that on your worst day, he died for you. That while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. That we know love because he loved us first. That's how we know love. And if you have not ever tasted that love, I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. No relationship can equal it. That is the love that is inside of us. That, that verse, uh, Ecclesiastes 3, verse 12 says, he has put eternity in our hearts. And our hearts will wander and wander and wander until we find him. That is our reality. That is the love that our hearts long for. So you can be single the rest of your life and still be full of love. You can be as full and not lonely. You can have purpose in your life just having him. And I promise you, it's better than anything else. It's better. It's better. And so if you would, we'd stand and let's, let's just worship. Let's just spend some time doing that.